adventurers and welcome to the Mike Flares podcast coming to you today from a castle hidden in the depths of a German forest with an assistant whose name is surely Igor. My name is Martin O'Dwyer and I will be your host for today's episode and joining me as always is your host Connor O'Brien. How are we doing today Connor? It took me a second to realize where you were going with it and then when you were like he's, he's uh, has an assistant and his name's Igor I'm like oh we're building monsters. <laughs> yeah. I'm doing well buddy how are you? <laughs> I'm good I'm good I'm yeah, as you mentioned, yeah, today we're going to talk about homebrew monsters, which will be a lot of fun because Connor has made some nasty. Oh, I shouldn't have sworn. Damn it! <laughs> I'll, I'll bleep it. Oh, yeah. We're thirty. We're thirty-five seconds in. I'll bleep. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm making a note now. Okay. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> aside from me making more work for you, uh, been a good week in the world of D and D. Um, lots of exciting things happening. Um, apparently. Uh, we got our first like proper well not proper look but like uh, kind of proper trailer I suppose for the uh, Taldoria Reborn or is it Xandria it's Taldoria Reborn campaign it's setting it's Taldoria Reborn yeah, yeah that is coming out in what is it it's coming out on the 18th isn't it so uh, by the time this podcast airs it'll be out yeah it, it, so it's coming out in two days at the time of recording which is very very exciting hilariously yeah. because of a page they put in the do you know the way they're like they do the things with the like this is like pages from the book with the art and all this stuff and it's like oh that's really cool so because because of course critical role fans are pretty dedicated it happens when you regularly watch a, a lord of the rings film every week for, yeah uh, for, the length for, the length of yeah for a live stream um but, but because they posted a page um and john one of the things they listed was the a new subclass the moon cleric Mm-hmm. Um, and because they showed the page with the art for the moon cleric like critters and other D&D people just went open image and new tab zoom <laughs> and line by line decoded the class to the point where um, the channel is wintry D&D but it's that guy I mentioned before the wintry wyvern he has a full video on exactly what the class can do it's really cool. I'm really excited to see it. it it's um, it's got some really cool channel divinities and other stuff. Um, oh, uh, it's got a channel divinity that lets you focus on two, sp- you concentrate on two spells at once, but they mm. have to be spells from your cleric spell list from your um, like uh, domain spells. But they get really good domain spells. <laughs> they get yeah. like fairy fire, hypnotic pattern, um, hallucinatory terrain, moonbeam. Like they greater invisibility as well, they get. I do have a thing, um, that that could be a very cool thing. I I'm looking very, I'm seriously looking forward to the book. I I mentioned before I'm a huge huge fan of the original Taldori book. Um, I still think it's one of the best books that's been released. It's really comprehensive in terms of all the places you can go, and there's a handful of subclasses which are quite interesting in it. Um, there's monsters, there's magic items, it's all great. And um, there is I'm super excited for this and the. Uh, what's it? Oh. The uh, domain oh. of the moon cleric. Ooh, yeah. Oh, sorry. There's, there's, um, there's, there's the, the moon domain cleric, and then there's also a blood. Is there a no? It's not the. Is it no? There's a. There blood, was there was a blood domain wizard. cleric in the original. I think that's going to be in, in, included in this one as well. Yeah, I think. But I remember when I was reading through the big list of like, this is the subclasses and stuff that we have in there. One of them was a blood wizard. That sounds really awesome. Yeah. That's, 
like proper blood mage stuff. Yeah. But about about the about the the or the I was gonna say the order of the moon, the moon domain cleric. Um, that that I'm actually looking forward to seeing because I think that might fit very nicely into my homebrew world because the elves are from the moon in my world and they do worship the the goddess um Ashilva and she's like represented by the moon and stuff. So I think that could be a super cool class for elves to play in 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 my world. Remind me, there's two moons in this world as well, there in Asteria, isn't there? Uh, there, is, there is two. There is um, one is visible at night, which is the the Feywild moon, and uh, with this kind of pinky hue. And then the other one is like a dark recess of or void in the sky, which is a Shadowfell, which is only visible in the day. Oh no, that's perfect because from there, because like, I watched that wintry D and D video um, about the moon cleric, and all of its channel divinities, it's 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 a moon cleric, and its abilities are split between the two moons of Exandria. Of um, I think it's it's Rudus and Rudus is the red moon, and the bigger one I can't remember right now. Um, but like, there's. I feel. Sorry. There's lots of uh. I was gonna say there's lots of fan theories out there because Matt has been named all the second campaign. Matt was name dropping those two moons regularly, mm. and people are convinced that he has some planescape or like some outer realm style stuff planned that involves the moons like maybe in a in a dead space style thing where one of the moons is like a living organism or something like that there's loads of theories out there that the moons have played some big part in in something matt would like to do at some point it, it really wouldn't surprise me because based on because like so um it's not a huge spoiler but like based on the early level channel divinity you have for the moon cleric you've two options there's one that's called like um the watch it's something of the watchful moon and then there's another one that's like the something of the blood red moon um, that's cool, or, or the, the blood moon sorry is what it's called and the watchful one what that does um because in exandria the bigger of the moon uh the curse of lycanthropy follows its cycles rather than ruidus uh, so if uh when you use your channel divinity you can use that channel divinity to empower an ally with some of the powers of lycanthropy and one of them give it doesn't like change them or anything but like the watchful one i think it gives them like advantage on attack rolls and like 10 feet extra speed and then the blood, the blood red moon one. I think if I remember right, because I've only watched the video once, uh, it gives you like um, I think it, it's sort of like the wolf totem barbarians uh, uh, rage ability where you give advantage to Al. It's pack tactics basically. Oh, it's pack tactics. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah it, it's quite similar to that. I think where um, if you're cert- a certain amount of allies within a certain range, you can give them all advantage on attack rolls. Um, with your channel divinity, I think they might do a little bit extra damage as well. Like I said, it's it's all uh, I haven't super gone into, it, but that's really awesome. We've also got Call of the Nether Deep from Critical Role coming up later in the year. I think that's on March. February is it? February? I think it's actually March, right? Yeah, yeah. I think it's our March. And in what are we? For uh, January, twelve days in twelve days time. The animated series for Critical Role premieres, which I'm very that's, excited about. That, that's the thing I was thinking. I, I might, there's something else coming up soon. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's due out. That's on Prime, I think, isn't it? Yeah, uh, it is indeed. I'm very excited and very happy to have Prime. Uh, I think it could be yep. cool, actually, if we did, like, maybe, like, a, sort of like we did for when um, Critical Role Campaign 2 premiered. Maybe we do, like, a, an episode on, like, our episode of our own on, like, episode one of um, oh, yeah. The Legend of Ox Machina, because they did mention that the first two episodes won't be based on um campaign stories that were live streams they're based on it's there to set up the world and and sort of yeah because they're where where they're coming in in terms of the campaign story is very much um like middle of the road they're like meant to be like levels 
eight or ten or something like that so it's very middle of the road and these people have been traveling together for a while and doing yeah. adventures so you need to introduce the characters and stuff for people who maybe are not critical role fans who are stumbling upon this and that's totally fair because i when i started with critical role, i started at the at the at the first episode of critical role which is like halfway through their crag hammer arc and i remember being very confused but still enjoying myself yeah oh yeah i mean honestly i i i have such um such good memories of the early stuff in critical role um, and I, 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 occasionally I'll go back and just pull a random episode from the Craghammer stuff or from the Briarwood arc or, or anything like that or when they went to with the, the Slayer's take and stuff like that in Vasselheim and I'll just pull a random episode and I'm like ah this is this, this is good this is good viewing you know I really enjoyed this and I, and it's it's just going to show us how one how far the show has come but just also like yeah it was still it was still so solid then even if the quality of the camera work oh, yeah. and stuff was, a little, was less uh it's still yeah. so good even back then though. even having to put up with a Ryan in a cava it's oh snap, we're going there <laughs> oh man I, I must i must link you a video by this guy called many kudos it's called the many controversies of D D, and number one is a Ryan in a cava on critical role oh there's actually if if we're gonna get into the uh we're going way off topic here but it's, it's you know we're going way <laughs> off topic um because yeah no we won't there's other controversies we could we could get into um that could one be, of them a, might that come could be a fun episode that could be a fun episode of mike flares uh, <laughs> that could be that could be a minefield of an episode yeah, um that could be a that could be an episode we yeah. record that turns into a last episode <laughs> yeah <laughs> whoops my finger slipped onto the delete button um yeah. but uh there, there might actually Depending on where we go in this conversation about monsters and stuff, there may actually be another one, D and D controversy I bring up that is somewhat pertinent. Uh, pertinent? That's the word I'm looking for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah. Um, no, you've actually, you've yeah. Got, you've oh, got, we'll see. You've got me intrigued now. I, re- I really hope it does come up. Uh, <laughs> but uh, Matt Mercer, he's a man who is well known for his homebrew. He's made, uh, he's the vestige items. He's got multiple subclasses between like uh, Cobalt Soul, the Blood Cleric that we already mentioned, the the Gunslinger, which is so much fun. Um, and mm-hmm. he's also made a lot of really really cool homebrew monsters in the past. Off the top of my head, um, ooh, spoilers for uh, very very late into campaign two, but um, like final form Molly Mock yeah yeah my actually when you when you and this it's funny because i i don't think i've thought about this monster in so long i, I did a quick like run through my brain there like like uh, brain searching and uh, analyzing um and thinking of what, which monsters i can remember from all the times he's done he did one in like very very early campaign one where they were going through the underdark trying to find out what was happening in the mines and stuff like that um and they went into this chamber where the entire floor was littered with tiny fragments of bone oh my god and yes. there was some like there was some tentacly, like gaunt-looking humanoid creature that like came out of the darkness and they had to fight and stuff. And I remember being a very—I remember everyone being like, "What is this?" I don't think it actually—I don't think it was—it was definitely homebrew. I don't think it was anything from the books. Yeah, I don't. I think Matt came up with this, but it was proper like, like cosmic horror level stuff. Like it was—it was wacky and bizarre. Um, but yeah, no, Matt's done some great um, some really great uh monsters and 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 stuff like that more more recently in campaign two he had this horrific uh giant baby uh like like, like cherub faced uh baby it's like the baby's face on like a almost on like a rhino's body or something like that and it was in it was in one of the runes they went into 
and it like oh I thought that was an anthropal like, I, I think it was kind of maybe similar to in the sense that it had I think it had an umbilical that was dragging behind it and stuff yeah, like that which it was, is super it gross, was gross but, yeah yeah uh, a very yeah, that, monster that one. Oh uh, yes, yes, a very yeah. Uh, so yeah, no, he's he has some, a great history of doing some really really unique monsters, or even just tweaking monsters. Tweak like honestly, homebrew monsters don't always need to be. And here's my first uh, here's my first golden tip of this episode. Uh, homebrew monsters do not always need to be from the ground up monsters. You can absolutely go. You can pull any monster you like from the uh, from the monster manual or any other book and go. I like this, but what if it had blank? And then just go from there. Yeah, I really like I really really like that. It sort of reminds me of um when I used to play like Lord of the Rings wargaming. And like mm -hmm. if you wanted to make like you would have like thirty Orakai in a in a box or something like that, and that's like your set of Orakai. But like if you wanted to make one like an Orakai leader or leader or like a captain, you could like clip different things off and like kit bash a bit and like use green stuff and stick things on. What I did yeah. was uh, I had I also had because I had an evil army, I also had the set where it was, I don't know what part of the movie it was meant to be from, but it was a set that had, like, fully re-embodied Sauron with the, like, the mace oh. up, up over his head and Sam and Frodo, like, lying on the ground, cowering away from him. Um, and at the time, I wasn't playing a good army, and I, don't, I can't remember if the hobbits were any good, but the, the hero hobbits probably would. Heroes always had special abilities. But because um, I wasn't playing a good army at the time, I just took my, my, my snips, decapitated Frodo and used green stuff to stick his I had an Orakai that had a sword up like this so, oh, okay. <laughs> so snip the sword snip the sword here and here so it was just his hand like that up in the air and then like green stuffed Frodo's head here so he was like an Orakai with Frodo's head raised into the air and I think that's a yeah. really fun fun way to look at also homebrewing monsters where the base thing is really cool you might just want to change one or two small things to make it your own like you just said oh yeah I mean like you can honestly you can make any monster pardon me i'm still getting over this bloody cough um you can make any monster genuinely interesting just by changing like one thing like for example take like um i don't know a manticore mm -hmm. right and uh and then give it make its bite attack have like an extra d4 fire damage and then and say and then just say its main is made of fire when you encounter it and if you hit it with a melee attack you take two points of fire damage and there you go you have a flaming manticore which is already a homebrew monster it's familiar but like seasoned players will be like that's a manticore but not like any manticore i've seen and the fire damage will be a whole extra aspect to it and the flaming mane of of, of fire around their face will will really kind of evoke new uh new intrigue and stuff it's so easy just to just to throw any or it, it, throw two monsters together or just add a, an element type is a is a really simple yeah. but interesting way um there was of a, making a monster really really interesting there's a really fun homebrew that i found um this is literally going back probably like two years ago now um i can't remember i don't have it i didn't save it um because it was before we were before we had to go run virtually so i just had like um i just had the thing pulled up on my laptop screen as i was dming but I think they were either called the dried ones or the desiccated ones. And they were like, they were like, they were basically desert, um, desert dwelling undead. And rather than being like your traditional looking zombie, they looked more like mummified corpses. They're like uh, undead where like all the moisture has been sucked out of them. And like they're, yeah. uh, they're like, they have like no, mu they have no they're literally just skeletons covered in skin and they have these big long claws. And I think they did something. I can't remember exactly, but I think they did, they did something to do with their when they did, made an attack. I think you could either take exhaustion, 
if you failed it was like a DC 12 save so it was a really low save you were almost guaranteed to pass it but if you had a few bad rolls you could end up in a bad situation um, I think it was either exhaustion or some other like additional effect but it was just but that's literally just like a zombie that you've just changed the aesthetics of and added like a tiny little difference in the in like the actual stat block I did they weren't from what I remember they weren't more, like I'll put it this way I used like six of them in an easy fight for my party at that time so they're not like super strong but they're just fun and they're weird and they're different and my players got very creeped out by these like skin zombies coming towards them yeah I um I had I think it's actually if I'm not mistaken there's something not too dissimilar in one of the Tome of Beast books. It's the Tome of Beast or Creature Codex, but it's one of those uh, Cobalt Press books. And they have a, I think it's called... Don't quote me in this, I'm probably wrong. I think it's called something like a Thurster or something like that, but it sounds way <laughs> way different. <laughs> Looking through the Tome of Beast, Thurster thought... <laughs> <laughs> Thurster thought simp. <laughs> oh god! <laughs> and they, it's 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 like a it's like a stat block with minions and a boss monster goes. Thurster thought simp Bell Delphine. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, the simp one is, is a creature that is automatically yeah. charmed by you when it comes to contact with you. <laughs> she throws jars at her of her uh, bath water at you as a ranged attack. Yeah, it just eats your gold instead of doing damage. <laughs> yeah, it, it eats your gold and uses it to heal the boss monster. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Oh, God. Uh, sorry, I've entirely lost the plot of what we were talking about there. <laughs> uh, we were talking about homebrew monsters, yeah, sorry, the, Mercer. The, de the desiccated ones and the dry ones. Um, yeah, I, we were said. I think, I still think probably my favourite homebrew I've seen Mercer do is, is the um the final form Mollymock where he's got all of the eyes of the Somnovum around. And then like yeah. I loved how he did it where he put in the addition the mechanic where if the players like really pressed him and tried to have him remember Mollymock rather than um Lucian or the Nonagon and trying to like pull at that part of his soul that like they thought still had so some measure of um, like influence over the character yeah. and then like whatever they did then they had to make it like I think it was like it was usually like a mental stat check based on whatever um, way they approached that thing so like I think if I remember rightly I think like Yasha got like really mad at him and I think she made like an intimidation check or something but if they passed the check one of the eyes of the Somnovum no he would lose reactions or legendary actions, sorry, he would lose legendary actions. Yes, that's and right. And yeah. he wouldn't be able to activate some of the eyes of the Somnovum around him. And then there was, like, it was really cool where if one of them got targeted by the eyes and they failed to save, an eye would appear on their body. And then they, each for each eye they had on their body, they would have a minus one to their saving throws. Yes, and I think it, it, it also gave them some beneficial things as well, but in the kind of, like... Um, in in the sense of you're being brought into the fold of these these uh, aberration creatures, um, so you're gaining new abilities, but you're slowly losing yourself in the process. It was it was I just thought it was very very cool, and and in particular like the map he set up for it was really sick. Um, Connor, why do you use homebrew monsters? Um, usually I I'll homebrew something if I can't find something that suits in. The handbook in the player's handbook, or well, not player's handbook, but the monster manual or anything else. You know, I'll if I'm looking to do an arc and I'm like, cool. What will I do? Maybe, maybe I know, for example, that if if um, 
you go to this region, I'm like, okay, I know this place is full of elementals. Um, it's specifically volcanic, so they're going to be like fire or earth or magma or something like that. And then I'll go and I'll look and I'll see what kind of fire elementals do we have. And if I see that we have maybe ones that are in a low kind of like um, a low challenge rating, and then ones that are in a really high challenge rating, but nothing in the middle, and the middle is kind of what I need for this encounter, I'll I'll find something else and I'll tweak it to make it work. Then I might take maybe. I could take an air elemental and just change its damage type or something like that and be like, oh, instead of a swirling mass of air, it's a swirling mass of flame. Um, and it's it's the right level I need for in terms of power rating and stuff like that, that uh, I can put you guys up against it. And it doesn't, you know, sometimes I'll, I'll often, I typically homebrew monsters more so for big fights or maybe specific things in the world. Um, I'll like, if I notice a big bad, I'll oftentimes want them to have a very specific stat block based on what I know they can do in the world and stuff like that. If there are, I, I if it's just an encounter you guys are experiencing along the road or something like that, um, I, I, I usually won't um go to the trouble of homebrewing it, um, because I'm like this is a one-off battle that doesn't necessarily mean a huge amount. But if I'm like this is the boss of this arc or this is a, a recurring character that will come back up more often, I'll I'll take the time to homebrew them because I know that they'll um they'll factor in more later on. You, presumably, unless you guys just like massacre that monster in an instant that i'm like oh those three extra fights you were going to do with them as the as you go further up the mountain now don't matter so just uh and it does happen the, but just reaching for the pain like no that's not happening anymore <laughs> lift up the sheet and just tear it in half and <laughs> uh, uh but yeah no that's that that's primary primarily why i'd use homebrew stuff also like sometimes you just want to you want to hit a certain you want to hit a certain vibe um and particularly I, I often do when it comes to scary things as well because i'm like um you guys fought up a holder in this campaign we just played that was a, a fairly I, I homebrewed him a little bit i tweaked a few things mm -hmm. in his in his staff block and i um if you look at the beholders as they appear in the volo's guide it actually gives you a bunch of additional um uh, eye ray effects that he can do um pardon me uh and yeah so i i i, I knew because i think it's sometimes you know your players are too they know the game too well you're a dm so you know loads about the game and you've seen most of the monsters because you've you do what i do every single week you you sit down to plan the session uh well not every week I, I, you know, <laughs> um but you sit down you go to plan a session and you go cool here's the monster manual boom let's go through this and see what i can fight this week um and you've probably looked like realistically you've probably gone cover to cover in the monster manual uh, a few dozen times if not if not over a hundred times um you know uh, and i would have done the same i wouldn't like, just i wouldn't necessarily say cover to cover because I, I still I, I try not to do a whole bunch of that because i don't want to spoil myself as a player as well as the dm but when i'm, oh, yeah, when, I'm when i like if i'm looking for monsters for dnd i usually only look in the area that i'm currently working in so like I, gotcha. I know a ton about giantkin because the last two arcs I've ran are related to giants. Like dire yeah, ones yeah. are class. Dire I haven't used one, oh, yet, yeah. but they're so cool. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, I'll do that too because I'm like I'm like uh, particularly if you guys have faced it before in a different mm. campaign, I'll try to just rejig the monster so it has some extra ability you didn't see before. It's like oh you fought you fought griffins before. This griffin spits acid or something like you know or this um. 
Or maybe this griffin is immune to damage that is non-magical. So all of a sudden you're, you go in thinking, yeah, well, hack up this griffin, no problem. But then you're like, no, no, this is a, a royal griffin. And they're a particular breed of griffin that are immune to non-magical attacks. And, and I'll just I'll throw a little wrench in the works just to kind of keep you guys on your toes and stuff. It keeps the, it keeps the fight interesting. And particularly for seasoned players, like you, it keeps things, uh, yeah. it keeps you on your toes and keeps you guessing. Like. I had a terrible idea while you were talking. A griffin that can speak and you have to make a, a wisdom save every time you, if you're starting your turn within 10 feet because it just continually spouts family guy quotes. <laughs> oh griffin oh, okay yeah that is a terrible idea don't do that <laughs> <laughs> it's like a, it's like a really 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 bad jabberwock yeah exactly yeah <laughs> no that's good uh, um I, i'm sort of in the same boat it's uh, a lot of the time for like thematic reasons where like the monster manual and subsequent books of beast series though they cover a lot and they hit a lot of notes but if like you're saying if you're looking for something like really specific and something like with maybe more lower ties to your world like some like if its character is meant to be deeply based in your world um you uh like i think a lot of the time unless unless you take that next step to homebrew even if it is only changing one or two small things about it um you can really really nail the concept if you just add in like one or two small small things like most of the homebrew and i've done aside from let me see here yeah i've, I've three written down there uh most of the homebrew I've done has been that just small change stuff. Um, I think like the biggest one I did was for a boss battle a while back, and like, we can get on, we can get on, we can talk about some of those later because he, I think that one I'm talking about might actually be my favorite homebrew I've made, um, in terms of like a monster, even though it's literally just based on like, um, another monster that's available that's a little bit more arrived out. Uh, but uh, so if you're, let's say you want to. Uh, want to make like a particularly interesting one what's what's something like you might either look out for in like a good homebrew if you're like looking through maybe like uh unearth arcana or like one of the other um dm subreddits where people will post like homebrew monster creations or i think our site homebrew is one thing as well um like what's things you you look out for look and it probably uh can include stuff like the tome of east and this as well um, what stuff you look out for was like either like something that's like a like say like a, a gold star for something or like a red flag. Uh oh. Um, I okay. That's a good question actually. Um, I think when I'm when I'm t when I'm thinking of monsters, I um I don't like sit down and go today I'm going to come up with a monster. I usually actually like like most things with my D and D inspiration. Um, I will I keep my phone on me obviously because it's twenty twenty two um and who doesn't um but i i um uh, i keep my phone on me and if i'm sitting down and i'm watching something occasionally i'll come across a documentary on youtube or my that's an interesting animal or that's uh uh you know whatever i'll take note of it and i'm like that could be a, a really cool monster if you um actually have i i three times up and down in technical because i was getting the note open on my phone um sometimes i do things that are like um uh, they're specifically monsters and i'm like i'm definitely going to homebrew this at some point other ones i'm like they're not necessarily monsters that you guys are going to fight, but they're maybe monsters I'm going to put in the world to be like, just to be like, not have you go to a region and be like, yes, bears live in this forest. I want to be like, I want to be the guy who's like, oh, well, this region's actually known for owl bears. And you guys are like, what's an owl bear? And I'm like, well, it's an owl and a bear. <laughs> um, 
but like I want to be able to have a like a, a world that seems fantastical at the get go. It doesn't necessarily have to be like everyone rides horses and they have cows on their farm and they do and you know they the chickens lay eggs. It's like well, what if they had cockatrices to lay eggs on some farms? You did that. Um, how would that work? You did that really well with the drow actually when we went to um, Endlicon and the um, sub and the inverted city and all that. Like you, I, I distinctly remember you being like. These drow rays, and it was some kind of a giant insect. They're they, ca ca cave fishers. Cave fishers, that was it. And, they, and you were like, they use yeah. like all their bit, like they use the, the the skin to make leather and like all these other things. And like there, some of their weapons are made out of like bone fragments of the thing and stuff like that. Yeah, so like that, that yeah, actually, that, that's probably a good example because like I don't always want to put a monster in because I'm like, you'll definitely fight this. Sometimes I put the monster in because I'm like, this is an interesting world building thing. And it's actually, if you look at Volo's guide, there, cave fishers are super interesting because, um, they they excrete so they can shoot webs at you and like wrap you up so they excrete that um as like and then they also have a thing where it says i believe in their stat block that their blood is flammable um yeah. so like i i took them and i was like these are kind of interesting they live underground what would it look like it was it was uh, specifically a, a a gnomish slash elvish um town called lanterstad um and they farm them they're giant you know vicious insects or pinchers and claws and stuff but they farm them here and i'm like what do they get if they farm them like and i kind of thought like native americans using all all parts of the buffalo kind of situation so i'm like what do you do okay well you eat the meat obviously that's fair enough you can eat the meat of these things um they the web they can spin could be gathered to make silk as you can make clothes or rope or anything out of that great they have a kind of chitinous outer thing you could use to make armor pieces or like you said it could be made into leather as well if it was softer parts of the of the creature um they have flammable blood so you could like distill that into lantern oil um and what else was there uh i think that was about it but that was kind of it i'm like there's like four or five like things you can do just from this one animal if you just um breed them in a in a pen and then uh, and then the city a lot of the cities not its industry so to speak it was very much like it was a highly industrial city, so they would still use metal and stuff, obviously. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was. I, I just thought they were super interesting when I was reading through it. And I'm like, I could totally build a whole economy around this creature because it has so many interesting, useful parts. No, it was... Uh, so it, that, it was that, was, really that was one I did. And I was, yeah, I was quite proud of that one, to be honest. No, I, like, personally speaking, like, really enjoy it. I, like, I always enjoy when there's, like, well-thought-out world-building and something. Um, and it's really good. Uh, so, like, that, I, I, really, I really enjoyed that, the whole thing where, like, yeah, of course they have like lots of silk stuff because they have stuff that easily produces silk and then they like all, all this other kind of stuff that just like naturally lo logically built on top of each other to make the original idea feel even more fleshed out and better um better is not a great word to use there jesus you can tell i'm tired today uh, <laughs> more better make it more more better. more better you were uh, there child yeah, no, make it more better please uh the I, I like even, like I I know I don't know if I got into it too much with you guys, but even when I was like designing Lanterstad as a place, I knew what kinds of clothes people would be wearing and stuff like that, and what the colors of those clothes were based on the environment they're in. I'm like, you can harvest insects and occasionally other creepy underdark creatures, um, and I'm like, a lot of them would be pale, like you know when you see like fish that live in deep waters or. Uh, creatures that live underground, they don't have any coloration the, to them. Some of them just white. They're crawlers in the descent. Exactly, exactly. Um, not or, to be mixed up with the cave, which is, which is much, basically the same yeah. movie. Or axolotls, <laughs> which are much nicer. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Um, and they are, stop. and like, so like... The... Sorry, stop. 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 Yeah. Uh, apparently the word axolotl sets off my 
Amazon products that I have down there. <laughs> uh, um, it happened again. <laughs> it, it, nearly, uh, it nearly went across the room. It nearly went across the room there. <laughs> Go, pause the video just there and you will see murder in my eyes along with the tiredness. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, sometimes I'll, I'll do that. I'll be like, I'll, I'll, uh, like I said, that's that's an easy one because when you read, when you just read the lore about it, it's like that's super interesting. Again, like maybe you take, you think in a certain regions they don't farm chickens, they farm cockatrices or mm. for, for whatever reason. Um, maybe instead of uh, cows, they have giant beetles. Maybe they're in the desert and there's giant beetles or something that live in the desert. Like you could just like, I have uh, the bungalow. I know. Are you thinking of the bungalow from Futurama? <laughs> yeah. In one, you got it. Yeah, you said that in immediately a division like Amy and her I, I knew exactly what you were thinking. I knew. Um, but yeah, no, like maybe maybe something like that. I um, I saw a couple of ones I actually have here. Ooh. I was reading out a couple of them. Um, I had an idea for an anteater. It says anteater bat combo, but I don't know why it says bat. Um, uh, a bat eater. A bat eater. Uh, it eats all the bent. Um, but yeah. I had I, I, I have a bat like the sheer shoe. From, uh, from yes, Avatar. I love those. Uh, which is just a great. That's a great. And like in a world like like Avatar, where everything is a something, it's just two animals put together, like a chicken cow or a, or a polar bear dog. <coughs> um, like this is one of the few genuinely unique animals, and it's called a shear shoe. Which, which I think about it in Chinese might mean something. Um, Quite possibly. They, they, they were good in their world building with naming with using fairly accurate Chinese to name certain places and stuff like Basing say I think literally means like the the on the the city that can't be entered or something similar that it mean it means what it is you know which is quite that. cool I love that um so I thought that that one could be quite cool I thought like a tapir mount you know tapirs <laughs> I think they're great they're, tapirs are awesome um I thought like if if they were bigger and like could they be used as mounts by you know full size people and stuff like that uh, so that's quite cool I thought of a displacer beast that would have like a desert version of a displacer beast Ooh. so it would look more like some sort of desert cat uh, instead of a panther and then it would have uh, its tentacles uh, its tentacles would more resemble like snake skin almost like rattlesnakes and maybe they actually make the rattlesnake Ooh. sound when they move that was more of an environmental thing I'd probably just use, I'd use a regular displacer, oh, displacer beast block but, that'd be really um, cool if that's how it activated its like displacement ability where like the tentacles lift up and they go and then that vibration starts the vibration of the body and that, that shit yeah, yeah. Really you can even like make your tentacle attacks like slightly poisonous just to add oh. an extra dice of poison damage and yeah. make them like sting you with it change, them to um, blood, change it to bludgeoning damage because you're smacking there's a th the... yeah there's a there's a thing called a, a, I'm going to mispronounce this is a is a, a nim, nimertia worm um they're like they're, don't okay i was gonna say don't look them up they're awful they're terrible but i thought they'd make a fantastic monster Mercy. um they like they like stay they like live in the ocean floor and they have this really their, their muscle on their jaws like incredibly strong so a fish will come by and they'll grab the fish and they'll cling to it for dear life and they'll rip it down they'll eat it and like their whole body is just one big muscle so they'll just constrict and stuff they're they're quite gross if i'm not mistaken they they might also be the, one of those fish that secrete a slime on them yeah. so that you can't touch them because it feels numbing or feels like your hands kind of getting paralyzed um have you i had one of, idea for have you ever heard of a mongolian death worm uh no this is a creature that supposedly exists in the gobi desert um it's it's a uh it's like a i think it's about like a two foot long worm that has like i think it's like incredibly poisonous incredibly uh aggressive and it can shoot lightning at you 
it's like a cryptid in Mongolia. I'm looking at it here, yeah. Badass. Um, I've, I've two more. One is just a, a puppet master spellcaster type, just loads of controlling spells, kind of like Sasori in Naruto. Yeah. Um, doesn't always have to be monsters. Can be, uh, can be a person as well. Um, Most of them are monsters are people. I have a I have a mud dragon which I was just I was just gonna tweak a, a snap a, a, a dragon turtle into a snapping turtle for a swamp region. Um, would you give it? Earth he just, uh, I'd probably give it like some earth spells it can do like uh, like shift earth and, and and maybe like earth what's the the, the grasp the claw that can grab you and hold oh, you in place. That's with. the thing Caleb Ball was cast in season two. Um, the cat. Well, he, he had the cat's ball one, but there's another one. Maximilian's earth and grasp. That's yeah. it. Um, and then I'll also um. Uh, bombardier beetles uh, which are beetles that quite literally they're like little mini artillery beetles they're really small but when other creatures like ants swarm them they literally split spit a hot uh, acid that like ignites so it's like fire and acid um and you, you, if you see them in slow motion um they just turn around and they're gonna face their their rear end towards the person and it goes like that and this little jet of of acid comes out and you can see it igniting and wisping up like wisps of smoke come off because it like ignites with the air or something yeah. um and it can like blind uh creatures and stuff like that to try to even bigger creatures like if a mouse or a rat tried to eat one of these things it could blind them um which i thought were really cool if you make that a large sized creature and you got yourself an awesome fight there you know yeah absolutely um there's one from and uh surprise was from a book right um in mistborn there are um they're, they're monsters, they're various monsters, but they're agents of the evil empire called Steel Inquisitors. And they're all um, they're all capable of using all of the, the metallic related magic because there's like, I think there's seven, no, there's like, there's 10, I think, metals that you can use in Allomancy. And if you can use them all, you're called Mistborn. And all yes. of the Steel Inquisitors are Mistborn. Um, and they're incredibly intimidating because they, they look like just big tall like strongly built people but they have two metal uh, steel spikes driven through their eye sockets now at the back of their head uh, and right. they're they're fully able to see they're able to sense when other people are using allomancy which is the magic system they're resistant to the magics of allomancy themselves and they are way faster more powerful and incredibly brutal uh, like if someone like if a steel if a bunch of steel inquisitors find find you like there won't be much of you left afterwards you'll just you'll be a stain on the ground basically um yeah. they're 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 really really terrifying they're like to to the end of the series they remain terrifying um and like i've always really wanted to do a D equivalent because i like i know there's like there's the inquisitor the mind fire the inquisitor fire the inquisitor the blade that kind of stuff in there but i yeah. i would just there's something particularly in the way they're written in Mistborn, the steel inquisitors are so fucking like it's literally like oh and, and, and even the main characters when one shows up they're like oh shit oh shit we need to go now like we need to there's something to be like all we can do is hold these off we need to run it they're like the regenerators in um in uh resi yeah yeah i'm trying to, I'm trying to think there's like there's a handful of things like that in various movies and franchises um where and this is a bit uh, kind of a side point but i think it can be important sometimes to have a monster show up in your campaign or like like you said like an like an inquisitor or a, a person or some sort of creature that is maybe hunting the party or something like that kind of like nemesis style that the party you know is like cannot beat Storms. but you know what they'll uh, 
Yeah, you you know, you know that at a certain point they'll come back around, uh, and the party will defeat them. But because they've had to run away every time, it keeps that that creature terrifying. You know, um, I'm trying to think of other examples. We had our, we had our own one at the start of this campaign with the. Uh, the I, I I basically did like a Mister X with a with a flesh golem. Uh, it, it worked yeah. really which, which was well. good though it worked really well actually that... worked better than i thought it was going to work because i i thought he was i, I brought this up before i put him up against you at like level one um yeah you were level one yeah because the, uh he started out in the town and it was zombies everywhere um and he was literally a mr x clone um and you tried to fight him and the damage was nothing and you were like, oh, crap, we need, like, better weapons because you know how the game works. And then you d didn't see him for a while. I think the next time you, you fought him, uh, he was... You tried fighting him then when you had... But they, again, just didn't... Your weapons weren't good enough. I think you had no weapons the first time, so you ran. Yeah. Then the second time you had weapons and they didn't work because they weren't magical. And then the third time you fought him, you had silvered your weapons. And you're like, we got this. For now I just cursed. Damn it. Ah, we're 40 minutes yeah. in. <laughs> um, I'm going to bleep that as well at the... At the... 40 minute mark. <laughs> Sorry, you gotta take notes of this stuff because that's what YouTube makes me do now. I know. Um, but yeah, and then the third time you're like, you're like, okay, we got this guy. Now we got silver weapons. Let's go. Uh, you ran up. I was, I was like, roll for roll for attack. Obviously hit him because he's got super low armor class. I'm like, you drive your spear into his chest. It only goes like half an inch in. He bats it away. No damage. And you were like, what? And, I, and the thing is, I realized that as you were starting the fight. I thought, cool, this will be a good encounter now. And I realized as I started the fight, I, I did a quick skim through his stat block again. And obviously I didn't read it correctly before. And I'm like, oh, it's not resistant, it's immunity. He's immune to non-magical damage that isn't adamantine. Um, so then I was like, oh, this this has got way more interesting. And you guys had a really, really narrow escape. Yeah, um, we just had to run. He had to run, and then the next time you fought him, though he did have magical weapons, and you were able were to go then, and then they actually ended up killing him. So I feel like it was so so earned because you weren't equipped to fight him at the time, and I feel like that's the kind of thing. Like I mean, it 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 can be it can be really cool. It says a lot when you can keep a type of monster still very scary right until the very end. Um, I think like oh, there's definitely games and stuff like because games do this sometimes where like there's different monster types or, or bad guy types you fight in the game and maybe at first you're fighting just regular like soldiers and they've got like swords and shields and they're they're just regular guys but maybe it's like the honor guard show up at one point and the first time you meet them in the game you just you just don't have the tools to beat them there's no conceivable way so you run and the next time you fight them you only narrowly escape because you fight them and you're getting a little bit of somewhere but like then. Uh, you don't. And games do the opposite as well. Where they're like they'll show you a guy is like this is a this is a knight. This is an inquisitor knight, and he's deadly. And you fight one of them, and you only because your power level that like you know two hours into the game, you're only just about able to defeat this guy. But then by the last level, you walk into a room with there's four of them, and you're like, I got this. <laughs> yeah, Souls games do that a lot. Where um, like in Dark Souls one. Uh, one of the first uh, so the, the first two demons you encounter are one with a bullhead called the Taurus demon and then another with a goat head called the Capra demon um, and like as once you you eventually get into an area in later game Dark Souls 1 called Isolith which is the home, which is the birthplace of chaos magic and demons come from chaos so like when you get in there it's there's all lava and fire everywhere and like one of the first places you run into you see 
I'm not even like I think the, the capper demon is like a notorious demon in, in Dark Souls because the boss arena you fight him in is terrible. It's like a really small confined area and there's him. Right. He's got two big machetes and he's got like a leap attack and even just a regular machete hits her hard. But he's also got two goddamn dogs with him. So you have you like you, <laughs> you literally you walk through the fog door and he jumps at you with the two machetes and then two dogs jump at you at the same time. So you have to desperately try to roll out of the way and get around it, kind of work it away. And it's a really tense fight and really annoying. Then you get to the demon runes in Last Isleth, and there are eight of them on a bridge. <laughs> no dogs, but eight Capra demons. And I remember just seeing that and I was like, I just turned around. I just turned around and went, I went back. I just left. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, and again, like, I think that can sometimes be a mistake mm. like oh, may, it's, maybe more so but it, you you want the a monster that the party is fighting to feel like it's a challenge like it's a monster and they're definitely the heroes they should probably still win if they're if the dice are on their side mm. but you also want it to be a case of like this is not going to be easy it should be earned um so they should uh, and again like introducing the monster a couple times or even like you don't even have to do, like have them fight it and lose a couple times introduce the monster do a Darth Vader on it from Rogue One. Just have him in that corridor. Um, show him hacking down, you know, 20 of the honor guards who are meant to be guarding the king of this kingdom. And just go, he goes through him like butter. And you're just like, wow, that guy's deadly. Let's get out of here. And then the next time you see him, there's going to be that tension because you're like, we saw this guy take down 20 honor guards. And now four of us have to go up against him. Like, it just, it makes for such a... It makes for such a good... Uh, and again, that that plays into what I said earlier about your players, whether they're experienced players or new players, if they don't know what the staff lock of the monster even looks like or what abilities they have, brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant. And I think as well, um, it's a really good way... I think Combrew, one of the benefits of it is you basically auto-counter metagaming. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's, absolutely. It's not something, thankfully, that I've had to deal with super often, but... In the previous incarnation of my party, I remember early on in the game, um, I think I, I put them up against a... <coughs> I'd finished an, a, a session with, like, a wyvern flying down from the clouds and engaging them. And I was like, we'll pick up next week with a wyvern fight. And then we came back next week, and, like, literally before I had the, the map put out and the minis put out, um, one, of, one of the players that, that no longer plays in my party was like, Jesus, man, we looked the wyvern up there. He's got a really nasty tail attack, doesn't he? And I was like... Uh, but, uh, but they were to be fair uh, they weren't like uh, very experienced players yeah I got that's why yeah. I got over it pretty quickly but I just kind of I, I explained I was like look guys that's kind of not cool please don't do that anymore Um, but even regardless I so my guys don't don't really do that anymore but even regardless sometimes I will just homebrew just to kind of like say troll curveball because it's fun watching people both panic and think oh yeah absolutely I mean and again like I, I know that like you run games Gavin's run games I know that Dan and Mike are both big fans so they they, they recognise a lot of monsters Mike's ran games um, as well has Mike run a game as well Mike's ran four or five one shots yeah. oh sorry I know he's run a lot sorry, oh, I thought he was running a campaign at the moment yeah. or something no no sorry um, in terms of like a long term campaign yeah me me and Gavin you were the only three yeah yeah Um, that something very similar happened when we were in Gavin's game um, because we, I, I do a thing whenever I play D and now because I have to. Where before I even start playing, I'll be like, okay, so here's the deal. 
I know this game really well. That's not me bragging. I just need you to know that. So occasionally you might do something or someone in the party might say, I have this ability and I might know that they're wrong. Do you want me just to shut up? And I'll say nothing if you want me to say nothing, but I just leave it lie. Or would you rather I pointed out things so that people, you know, are, are the, how the rule works? And there's a benefit to it sometimes where someone might be like, oh, I get an extra D6. And I could be like, you actually get two extra D6. You know, there's yeah, benefits to it as that, well. That's when that's like the good version of being a rules lawyer. It's like exactly, you yeah, only yeah. correct people when they're making a mistake that will make them weaker than they should be rather than you're like, mm, DM, excuse me, that's not exactly how it's written. Yeah, and like, and I said it to him about just very cleanly. This is any because again, I'll happily go either way. I just want to know what people would prefer in this case. And everyone, thankfully, was like, was like, if you see something that's wrong, call it out. Because at the time, Gavin was pretty new to to DMing as well. So he's like, if if I'm doing something or someone's doing something, feel free to just shout it out because we'll all kind of be on the same page. And I'm like, that's cool, grand. Oh, yeah. And this, and I also said like, this is always on the table. If at any point you want me to stop, say so, and I will stop as well. Yeah, like, um, there, there's a reason something for... similar the upcoming one shot I'm running that I asked you and Gav to be a part of it because I have people I'm the other the other aside from Tara as well like the other half of the party are all either very very new to D&D or haven't played at all so I was like yeah we get experienced people in who know who can know more about other stuff that I might not because like I know the yeah. classes I DM for extremely well now the other stuff not that's so much because uh, <laughs> it's not you like as much uh, practice uh, it's it, it, that's actually another good good golden tip is if you're ever planning on being the DM for the first time or running a one shot for the first time, and have one of the players either maybe maybe the DM from the game you play in or have another player who does play regularly join in even if it's only for the first few sessions of a campaign, mm. um because they're your ringer they're your per- like that was you for me when I started playing you had played loads everyone else had not played at all and when sometimes when a, when a question needed to be asked. I didn't need to address every single person. They could turn to you and be like, Martin, how does this thing here work? And you could explain it to them as well. Um, always have a ringer in your game. Yeah. Uh, because they can be they're like a secondary DM when, when you need it. Like Mike is my ringer in my, in my D&D campaign, particularly for my Sorcerer, because he's played 20 levels of Sorcerer. Because he's played 20 levels of Sorcerer. Actually, 20 levels of the exact same Sorcerer down to their Draconic lineage. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. wow. Okay. That's both, cool. Um, both um, Draconic lineage. Uh, there's one thing I wanted to yeah. say there as well course, and after yeah. forgetting oh sorry yeah, I said a similar thing with the looking up of monsters happened in Gavin's game oh, and we were, we were we were sitting there and we were playing I, f- I can't even remember what the fight was what the monster was it was like it wasn't that maybe griffin a... that killed Ollie was it uh, no he put us up against two griffins at like level <laughs> two uh, or level one or two like now to be fair there was like seven six or seven of us okay. but like that was a tough fight like a lot of people got downed in that fight um uh, I got the, I got the winning kill just saying, um, but what was it? I keep losing track. Of oh yeah, so so whatever fight was happening, uh, and we we're all sitting around, and Gavin's obviously rolling for the monster, and we're in the middle of the fight, and we're like, wow, this thing's hitting us really hard, and then uh, on the opposite side of the room, uh, uh, Irene uh, just pulled out. She's like, yeah, I mean, I'm looking at it here. I don't know this is really good. <laughs> And like, and everyone's like, uh, and like, no one else saw a problem because everyone barring me and Gav are new players. And and uh, Gav's like, what, what do you do? And, and she's like, oh, I just look up the monster we're fighting. And he's like, you can't do that though. And she's like, why not? He's like, it's kind of meant to be. Like, she did. She didn't get the concept of metagaming at all, yeah. which is perfectly fine. And he was like, no, it's like, it's kind of meant to be a secret, and you're not meant to know how many hit points it has and stuff like that, because then it's a surprise when you finally kill it or whatever mm. and she was like oh, oh my bad and she just like she closed it then she was fine yeah. but like again sometimes people don't understand that part um i wouldn't ever fault a new player for that because yeah. again 
Yes, but particularly when there's no malice in it. If, oh. if a player, like if if you did what um, what happened in your situation, and like they, the people who looked it up had looked it up with the intent of I know everything about it now, so I can avoid all this stuff. That's wrong, and that's kind of cheating. As far as you know, it's not fair, uh, and it takes the fun out of it for you as well. But um, if someone looks it up genuinely curious, like ooh, I wonder what that looks like, and then you see the art and the stat block is there, so you just happen to read the stat block, like. I, I would never fault anyone for that if they're a new player. Yeah, and and like as well, like if it's uh like if your player is a DM as well, like they're just gonna ha- they're just gonna know. They're, you can't avoid it. Like so, so you'll always yeah. get crossover. Um, Connor, do you have? I think I know because we know I know we talked a lot about Giverell last week. Uh, mm-hmm. so I'd imagine he he may show up. But do you have a particular homebrew monster out of either campaign that you've that you've now ran that you really really liked? Is that you think is like one of your best efforts at, at world building and at world building at home at home uh, monsters home monsters yeah um i've done a, <clears throat> i think i've done more this campaign that were more coherent and last campaign i had a couple um but i mostly just pulled them from books and stuff that were really obscure um so last campaign the the one that probably stands out to me most would be maybe when you go when you guys fought um uh Garath, yeah, uh, who was the, the 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 high elf impersonating a demon, um, you know, That's fallen really cool. paladin kind of guy. Um, he was quite cool. Um, also the clockwork man, who was the the big end boss of that of that entire campaign. Um, because by the time you guys were level twenty, he was so powerful. I think I gave him like seven legendary actions and like five legendary resistances, <laughs> and he had two actions every turn as standard, and he was able to cast two spells. It, 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 I I broke all the rules because I'm like I need to make something yeah. powerful enough. To be fair, he and was well the as... primus. Like he was the primus of um of mechanus. Mechanus, yeah. thank you. Yeah, like yeah. Yeah, yeah. and I, and the thing is, he fought him and two maruts. Who were those uh, big construct uh, Madron guys who just hit you? You don't even have to roll. They guaranteed hit if they come up to your life, uh, and he still won. So like, but it was it was a tough fight, but he still yeah. won. And I was not pulling my punches at that point. I feeble-minded Mike within a ter- within two turns of the of the game starting. I think in that uh, fight you feeble-minded both Mike and Tara. I think I feeble-minded Tara as well. Yeah. Luckily, she was a monk and she was just really good at punching things. So that's all she knew. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> Mike had a ton of spells he couldn't cast, but he he did have a, a magic item that I ruled he would be able to activate, which allows him to turn into a dragon. So I was like, okay, you're really dumb, but you are a dragon. <laughs> uh, so yeah, but yeah, so we had a few last campaign, but like, again, I feel like some of the stuff I came up with last campaign was not as ingrained in the lore of my world i was kind of just making monsters for the sake of them sometimes and and lots lots of times i was just pulling them from uh tome of beasts creature codex stuff like that um the ones i have now are uh ones i like quite a bit more because again they, i feel like they're entrenched in the lore of my world mm-hmm. um uh you guys we talked a while ago about you guys going into the underdark and stuff like that uh, some enemies you face regularly there were my my, uh, my cursed yes. elves i call balguin uh, so that's uh, B-A-L-G-W-Y-N. So in my world, Gwyn is the elvish word for elf. Um, and Baal basically means like curse. It's like, it's like Baal, you know, it's like you're mm. cursed, you're, you're, uh, you're cast down. Um, and they're basically elves who dabbled in the occult and then uh, as a result got cursed. And now they, they're, they're, my earth elves are basically like drow, but they're kind of like charcoal gray instead of like purple. Mm-hmm. Um 
and they have uh they do still live underground and they're also not all inherently evil let's get that let's get out there um because i don't like the whole oh but drow are always like evil and they always worship lult okay stop um Dritz so Jordan, yeah so maybe uh, mm. Dritz, yeah Dritz, uh, except that one guy Dritz because he has a book he's the only exception to the rule um his books he's multiple books he's lost. Um, <laughs> And he appears in a lot of games as well. Um, but yeah, so the Balguin are my version of of that. But I wanted to see a new spin on on uh, on dark elves that wasn't spiders and lolth and they're all evil slavers. So the Balguin are just cursed. Um, they're they're made to look like bats. Their eyes are kind of like they have no eyes. They're kind of like the skin is like gone grown over them. Um, so they can't see. Uh, they they make like clicking sounds like clickers in The Last of Us to like use echolocation. They have like they have those bat like noses where they have like the ribbed kind of like bits of flesh and stuff to come down. So they look quite monstrous. And again, this is very um, cave or what was the other one? The descent. The descent. Um, in terms of how the creatures kind of work, they kind of behave a little bit like that. And um, they are intelligent. Um, and I even came up with some interesting ideas about how they um, they can still. Because uh, uh, dark elves or earth elves in my world can are really good metallurgists, yeah. um, and they can still craft metal. Because when they hit an anvil, it makes such a loud noise that all the echolocation gives them perfect vision on what they're doing. So they can still craft metallic armor and and instruments like to a master level, um, despite them being blind when they're trying to do it. Um, so yeah, uh, so they're the Balguin. They're I, I, I wanted, again, I wanted something that wasn't typical drow for my Underdark. Yeah. Because I did a big drow arc cam in campaign one. And, you know, three out of four of you guys were there for that. I, I'd like to give you something different to kind of work with. So the, I have, like, three stat blocks for them. I have a regular Balguin. Um, I kind of used the troglodyte stat block as a, as a starting point. But then I looked at the very base drow one as well. And I kind of mixed and matched a little bit. They have blindside out to 60 feet. Uh, they speak Elvish and Undercommon. Um... They have the Fey ancestry. They also have stone camouflage, which I think I kept from the from the troglodyte. I think they have that. Um, they 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 have a climbing speed naturally, so they can climb. Um, and then they have like keen hearing and smell because again they're blind, but they have really really good smell and really good uh, hearing ability. Um, and I have three stat blocks for them. One is called just Balguin, which is like your it's commoner. They just have daggers and they're quite weak, but they'd be good for like a level one encounter. Mm. Um, I have Balguin warriors. Uh, they do wear like studded leather. They have a spear that they carry. They have a thing called howling, a howling blowgun, which I was really proud of. Um, where because blowguns never get used. Um, but in this case, um, they carry blowguns with them, and because they have like this whole theme of like echolocation and shouting or clicking to whatever to make things visible to them, um, they they have these blowguns where they can blow through it. Uh, and it does the regular four piercing damage that a, a dart would, but rather than lace it with poison or anything like that, um, it does two. It does two d eight thunder damage as well, um, because they do like a kind of almost like a shout kind of through it. Like they, it's like a sonic blast that propels the um, the dart. Um, and then, yeah, so they have that, and then I have a what I call a Balgrin Kashrati, um, which I is remember uh, him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, they wear full half plate. Um, they carry huge mauls. They also have the blowgun. Um, they're kind of like the like almost like knights or paladins of this thing. And also their maul, they can channel. Oh, did I include that? I almost certainly did. I no, you did because I remember getting hit by it. 
Yeah, um, I think I, I have it somewhere. Oh, here we go. Howling Strike. Once per turn, when a Balgun Kushrati hits with a melee attack, it deals an extra 4d6 thunder damage on the target. So they can channel that, that sonic bat-themed energy into a, a strike with their maul and hit really, really hard. Um, they're quite tough. Um, but, uh, again, so I had like a whole little ecosystem of of balguin and i had other ideas for like balguin priestesses that could do some magic and, and a bunch of other stuff um but yeah so they're, they're probably one of my favorite ones i've done for this campaign because there's a whole lore and a background behind them and uh and it's i love drow but i also feel like drow can be if i was to play for playing a campaign and someone's like oh you're going to the underdark have some drow i'd be like yeah let's go but at the same time i like taking a new spin on underdark elves that isn't spider slot and and you know yeah. enslaving people to whatever you know yeah no they're they're really awesome they're really fun um i i do really like that idea of like the subterranean elf that just like has completely evolved to exist in the dark like no need for eyes they hunt they hunt everything by echolocation yeah. like it's it's a really... actually the fat the falmer in skyrim they're kind of they're quite similar uh, to that as well yeah no that no really cool like really really cool i like they're like I love, I love that you went for like the multiple tier approach as well. And, like, like here's your base Balguin, here's your Balguin warrior, and these are like like royal guards, like or whatever. Pretty much, guards, yeah. yeah. Temple guards, royal guards, something like that. They they would be, uh, they'd be zealous, zealous, zealous in their um in their approach. And, and like again, they still kind of <laughs> worship the occult. There's still some of them that have like demonic powers as well. That because they, it was a this bat looking demon um, prince is the one that they made a pact with and then they kind of messed up on that and that's why they're all cursed not all um dark elves are but the ones who dabbled in the occult are the ones who were cursed to become balguin that's sick it's really awesome um yeah i think inter like for my own experience i haven't like i said i haven't made a whole ton but there are thankfully and uh some really really uh, awesome people out there who have done some really good homebrew versions of um most of the bosses from like the dark souls games and mm -hmm. a few and a few of just the more uh, interesting creatures as well um, I actually put you and a couple people up against and we've talked about it before but in a one shot I ran I put you up against uh, it was a, a monster called Quilag uh, who is a boss from uh, Dark Souls it's, a, it's, a, it's basically like a spider lady yeah the upper half is a woman yeah. with a with a flaming sword and then lower half is a giant lava spider that like vomits lava and it can do like an mm -hmm. AoE fire burst and all this stuff and as you found out vulnerable to lightning uh, one, of, one of my better moves, um, mm. where I hit her with, what did I do? I think I was playing Eldritch Knight, you absorb and I hit her. And then use that to add lightning to your next attack, and fucked her up. Well, I, I, yeah, I, th I think what I did was I hit her with a, a shocking grasp um, up close, mm. and then you kind of let it like that she has vulnerability, and I was like, oh, okay, that was my action. I still have a bonus action, and I have an action surge, so I was like, cool, and I've only cast a cantrip so far this turn. So then I, and also because I hit her with Shocking Grasp, she can't take reactions until the start of her next turn, I think. Mm. Um, so I was like, oh, okay, a bonus action, I'll hit her again with a sword. Then I'll use my, I, I'll move away. I don't need to disengage because she can't take reactions. I'll get a distance away. I cast Chromatic Orb with lightning damage at my highest level, which I think was like third or fourth. And then I'm like, cool, and I hit her with this. Uh, <laughs> so all in one move, I discovered what her weakness was. I backed away while she was still being like shocked or whatever. And then I hit it with a really, really heavy shock attack. Um, one, of, one of my proudest moments in D&D, just because the action economy fits so well in that moment. No, it was, it was really, really awesome. But she's really fun, and like people have done, like, the, you can if you just look up, like, um, uh, Dark Souls D&D stat blocks, 
uh, you will see just like a plethora of really awesome because like one you can dislike the Souls games as much as you want um, and in terms of like how they actually play but you cannot argue with their art style and their and their creature design and oh my god like they've just they have, I, like, I'm very tempted to just go out there and grab a few higher level ones for maybe just not even boss fights just like hard level fights in like yeah. maybe for maybe like mid tier levels because some of them are just so so cool like the Quileg one is really amazing um, I know that there are why can why can I literally not think of any bosses from Dark Souls right now? Um, I know there's oh they've they've one from like Dark Souls two which is um the Rotten which is this is this huge like Lord of the Undead that has a giant meat cleaver and his whole body is made up of like mashed up together corpses that are just like stuck together so there's like arms and limbs and heads sticking out of everywhere and like you can see like it was it originally started out as a, a bunch of undead in a cage and then I think it got like a Lord Soul and empowered it and mutated it so like its head. You can see the the remnants of the original cage it was in actually make up the shape of the skull, and it looks like basically oh, wow. it looks like the stuff that was stuck in the cage just like grew rapidly and expanded out from underneath it, and like turned into this big horrific like mishmash of corpses. That um, reminds me of the of the Rat King and uh, in the Last of Us Part Two. Oh, I've seen that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh man, that that whole that whole sequence was like I, I was just like, you've gone too far, Naughty Dog. Go back. Oh, because uh, the first the first time you encounter that thing is like, you're just not ready for it. You're, like you've, for everything, you're like, oh, it's probably just another bloater. Nope, not even close. It's like I I'd, I'd happily face three or four bloaters other than this thing. It's awful. Um, I'm sorry, I got distracted because I was looking for. You mentioned the thing, uh, we find out the Dark Souls monsters online. Mm. There is a, um, a re- I think it's called the Book of Beautiful Horrors. I came across this thing years ago, right? And people have been adding to it since. And it's basically got a ton of monsters, a lot of which are from The Witcher 3, like if the Beast Jerry from all the different Witcher monsters. There is some, when I said this Witcher, there might be a couple of Dark Souls, there might be a couple of Skyrim things in there as well. But like just the really well thought out, good stat blocks. Like they're not, none of them are like, kind of thrown together or poor quality and uh, the art is good it's laid out like a D book with the kind of like uh, the kind of oh, um, parchment back and everything to it and uh, and it's all laid out like, like as if someone was a professional printer of books and trying to make it fit and um, there's some cool celtic warrior stat blocks towards the end and um, there's just a rake of really really interesting stuff um there's, there's definitely like oh there is definitely skyrim stuff because there's spriggans from uh... skyrim in it and, and a couple different types of spriggan um, I think you might have put uh, up against I, a Spriggan in campaign one, actually. I almost actually either that or I put you up against a Leshen. That was it. You put us up against a Leshen. That was from the book yeah. of Beautiful Horrors. <laughs> that was that was one of the stat blocks in it. Honestly, it's it's. I'll, I'll try and see if I can find out where where I got it from. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not seeing it on my drive at the moment, but do you want to know how I I know for sure it was a Leshen? Because what? I can still because do you know the way I. So, for folks who, don't, who might not know, um, I take a lot of notes in our D&D, in our D&D game, I'm mm-hmm. the notes guy, uh, and to, like, refresh my memory, so if I'm looking back and looking for something, I'll always do, like, pun titles for the session, which kind of indicate what this is going. And that session, the title was A Lesson Learned. A Lesson Learned, nice. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I so that was one of, I, I've used a couple over the past few couple of years. It's um it's a great if you look it up online. The book of beautiful horrors. Um, it's not all horrific monsters. I think it it, was, it started off as specifically as a Witcher mm. three thing for D and D that someone just did them, themselves, but they they added a catalog of way more monsters. Um, 
So yeah, it's it's yeah. it's a definitely really cool homebrew resource if you're looking for I, some I, Witcher, Skyrim stuff, or whatever. I must look again because there's some enemies in Bloodborne that I really want. I actually would really enjoy putting into my D and D game, even as someone who hates snakes. Um, and it's it's an area of Bloodborne I absolutely despise because it is a swamp filled with snakes and people who turn into snakes. Uh, but it, like when you see the enemy, he just looks like a like a kind of a, a tall, lean kind of villager type guy with a big axe. Like a kind of it looks like a big bearded axe in one hand that he kind of like drags behind him in a torch. Very like horror, hammer horror film kind of our villager kind of thing. Um, and but when, of Resident Evil. There's in, a couple of guys in some in of the four. villages in four. Yeah, with the big hatchet. Yeah, yeah, yeah very like them. Uh, but they're uh, so like when you get up to them. If you hit them, I think if you hit them once or you can hit them once or twice if you catch them unawares. But if you run up to them and they spot you, they just go like, and then they just they like start like holding their head and be like, and then like their head like explodes, and like, I want to say like eight giant like boa constrictor snake heads come out of the next stump. And so you have to deal with it. Still has the big axe and the torch, and it like slashes at you with both. And the, but then when you get in. The all of those snakeheads can move and attack independently. So, like when you get in, it's like it's it's like a it's a humanoid body with a mini hydra head. Is the best way I can describe it. And I'm. Sorry, go on. Yeah, it was just the first time. Yeah. Just the first time I came across that, I visceral would be the way to describe my reaction to that. Uh, Martin Martin ain't a fan of snakes, folks. Uh, he's he's Indiana Jones. Yeah, he don't like them snakes, and I've used that against him multiple times. I, I, can, I can appreciate that. I, I'm sorry. Is, is it still sorry if I'm if I know I'm gonna do it again? <laughs> if if I if it actually really really bothered me, you'd have to say sorry. But in just in the way, like I don't like it, and I'm gonna fucking yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like that's fine. That's fine. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, yeah. I, I, it's all in good fun. Uh, you you talking about all the snakes bursting out of uh, out of his head? All I thought about was that scene in The Simpsons where where it's whacking day, and the the music teacher's sitting on the bench, and he's like, "Oh, a bug!" and he flicks it off his shoulder, and a wave of snakes comes over him. Ah, <laughs> oh, yes, that's amazing. That's fucking. Oh, that's so amazing. Uh, Connor, I have something fun. I have something fun. I I told you this before we started recording, but. So the thing everyone warns you about with homebrew, right? And it's normally in relation to like character options and classes and stuff is that generally homebrew is hideously unbalanced because it's just someone going, that should be in D&D without most of the time without any of the like concerns for like balance and what already exists in the game and uh, like yeah. a reasonable challenge that like the I actual... Feel, I feel a rant coming on. Uh, it's not a rant. It's, it's not a rant. It's not a rant. <laughs> oh, but yeah. I, but I, I think Don't I ran it in. I, no, no, no. I have a stat block that I think. Oh God, where did it go? Yes, there it is. I have a stat block that I think not a stat block, but a description of a creature that I think will cause you to go on a rant. Oh, so I, no. I'm, I, because as part of this, I wanted to see if I could find just something like some hideously badly made homebrew just something that'll you know get connor's blood pressure up <laughs> that that but also like in a chill like don't do this as like a, a bad example like try a... is can I, yeah can i ask is this uh is this the like flowery descriptive language that comes before the stat block or is this the actual stat block uh it, it's neither it's uh it's a it's oh. it's, it's a, a post on r slash dnd i was just looking for like overpowered or terrible homebrew and it's like okay. uh, the title of it is what is the most broken slash overpowered for its claimed CR homebrew monster a DM has ever thrown at you and like four people in the thread say Banshee and I'm like 
<laughs> I was going to say Shadow. <laughs> but you, neither of them are homebrew. <laughs> no, I know, but like that's the, yeah. the joke. It's like, what, what's the most broken thing? Shadow. <laughs> Sh Sh Shadow does appear. But uh, this okay. is a, it's just, a, it's a, so it's the, it's from the perspective of a player of the fight this thing. And when I read this, I was like, this doesn't sound too bad, your DM's an idiot. <laughs> right, so as it, it, this is what the, the post says. The monster that made me want to ask this question is from a one-shot I recently played in. The monster was a dark orb of shadow with tentacles that it can use to make attacks. Three of them around, in fact, at a plus seven to hit. The damage was a paltry 1d8 plus three, so no problem there for a group of level eight adventurers. The issue was the two saves each, each hit forced you to make. A constitution save, and if you had any spell slots, a spell casting ability save both at DC 15. Fail the second and you lost your highest remaining spell slot. Fail the first and you got a point of exhaustion. I say again, three attacks around. So in a single round of attacks, this thing could ruin you and in two rounds, it could straight kill you, HP be damned. On top of that, it had AC 18, resistance to all damage, yes, even magical weapons, a reaction to cause the first attack against it each round to automatically miss and misty step at will so it extended each turn hover it ended each turn hovering 30 foot in the air watching the melee characters shake their impotent exhausted fists our dm sent six of these things at us at once and once the dust had settled and the cleric had been revived we found that he considered their cr to be six anyway what have you had to slog your way through for a truly pathetic amount of xp that's go yeah <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay, I think up until the point where you said three attacks, things were fine. Mm. Orb of writhing tentacles, three attacks, uh, D8 plus three, uh, plus seven a hit. Um, also, that's actually wrong because if you're if its challenge rating is six, it shouldn't have a plus seven. It should have a plus six to hit because the proficiency wouldn't have gone up to plus four. Um, it it just it just matches the levels yeah. uh, as if you were a player character. If you're if you're level uh five you have a proficiency of three so monsters will have a plus three proficiency at level at a fifth a chance rank of five anyway um so i think up to, up to that point it's mostly fine mm. proficiency withstanding and these, guys, these guys are um, level eight as well so yeah and they're level eight um a challenge okay i think if you put any normal level like challenge rating six monster into a thing and said i have four level eight players you maybe two of them might be an appropriate encounter maybe three if you really want to go for the deadly thing but I think, I think that will probably be the balance you're looking at. What was it, six or seven? Six. Six. Six of them for a, a regular, if you pulled from the book, a challenge rating six monster, is way overkill. Uh, and on top of that then, um, the fact that... Uh, and I, I'm, I'm not adverse to breaking the rules occasionally to keep players on their toes, you know? So, but typically speaking... You wouldn't have two saving throws on a thing. Maybe now, maybe maybe you would. Maybe the players can. Uh, I can see myself using that in, in very specific scenarios. Maybe maybe you're trying to avoid being poisoned, and you're also trying to avoid being knocked down by something as well. Yeah. It, it 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 attacks you with a tentacle. The tentacles are barbed, so you might get poisoned. You might also get knocked back ten feet. Whatever. Uh, that's not that's not a terrible idea. The fact that one of them is is a point of exhaustion, um, is makes shadows look like toddlers in cribs you know <laughs> waving their fists at you um because that's insane um it's so much harder to come back from a point of exhaustion because it, that's that's what's called a death spiral mm -hmm. um because once you start taking points of exhaustion 
you start getting it becomes harder to stay alive um and harder to so that's that thing as well because all and, your... and you've six of these with three attacks each it's 18 attacks around with a plus seven uh which is a mod that's a fairly decent attack stat and with three attacks you're very likely to hit it um what was the second save for uh so the second save was a spell casting modifier save and then oh, okay. if you failed you lost your highest level spell stat I don't hate the idea. Yeah, I like that idea on its own. Yeah, I do. Um, and and like yeah, and I like I, I think and maybe if you ha if it does, it regains health because it feeds on magic yeah. or something. I think it's quite that a cool would, idea. That would be a cool one for like an anti magic kind of character. Like if you would maybe like yeah. they have like they have like claws or like some kind of like maybe they have like an anti magic sword or the um, anti magic sword and they have some special ability where like if they like stab you with a sword, you take the damage, but then you have to make a, like a con save, and if you fail the con yeah. save, it drains your like highest level spell slot and then that creature gets that many d6 added to its next attack roll or uh, attack oh yeah oh, i was getting health back i was thinking one or the other but yeah absolutely so i think it's such a uh, not a terrible idea in concept when paired with the exhaustion it's a lot um and again that it's just a little abnormal to have two saving throws particularly two such hefty saving throws yes. not to mention that again just coming back to it like six of those creatures with, with like 18 attacks around is an exceptional amount of attacks to be rolling for, for anyone, you know, with three attacks per monster and six monsters. Um, yeah, uh, this is something that our first DM would have tried to put us up against, and he would have thought it was cool. Yeah. And I, 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 I don't know if we've mentioned him enough on the podcast before, but he's an idiot. Yeah, no, he... Um, and I don't care, but I'll say it, I don't give a shit. <laughs> the, the more and more I DM, the more I look back on that first, like... Literally, the be like the players were the best thing about that session. <laughs> like, oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, but like looking back on it, I'm like, there are so many problems here. There are this is this is a house of cards stuck together with fucking sellotape and bubblegum, and I can like I can see it creaking, um, and like I'm not saying my world building is perfect either, but it's definitely better than his. Uh, oh yeah. There were, there were so many weeks that we would come in for that. And, like, at the time, I didn't realize. I, I was just happy to be there. And it seemed like something was always happening. But there's so many weeks when I look back on them now, I'm like, you didn't plan anything this week. Mm. And you are pulling, you are making this up as you go along. Or he, he, he would do this thing where he would stonewall us as well. But we'd be like, can we try this? And he'd be like, the gate is locked. Can we try and scale the wall? There's guards on the wall. And, like, he'd do whatever he can to not allow us to do the thing because mm. he doesn't have beyond the wall prepped. Yeah. And that is so obvious to me now because I've been on this side of the DM screen for so long. Uh, it's so obvious to me when someone doesn't have that kind of stuff done. Um, but, shut up. Yeah. It's all in the past. <laughs> yeah, it's all in the past, exactly. So to, quote, to quote Rafiki, it's in the past. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I that was... I saw that and I it immediately... That's what it immediately screamed out to me was that's, a, that's a, someone who has a DM versus player mentality. Because I can't see how you could make that and in and and assign it in that number and not go. Mm, this you know something about this doesn't feel right. I mean, again, just just pull any other. Again, I, I know I know I don't I don't advocate necessarily for always using the um the challenge rating rules for a fight and, and balancing encounters because it's not always accurate. They're very good guideline though. They they are a good they're a good guideline. They won't get you the whole way there, but. I mean, I think in this case, had this person put any other challenge rating six monster uh, from you know at all from the from the handbook or, or the monster manual, um, and put six of them in a fight, they would have found very quickly. I'm I'm was like I'm gonna make an encounter now. 
Just what any any, yeah. any challenge ready six monster. But I'm gonna put it up against you guys who are level twelve. Yeah. <laughs> For reference, I one v one the CR ten monster on my own. This uh, you this you did 185 damage in one round. Oh, uh, it's good to be low sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> it, uh, it's a it's a fun old time. I had uh, so I, I also had one? help. I just to be clear, I had help. Like I had, I had uh, buff spells and stuff. You did have a bit of help. Okay, so I'm gonna go. D&D Beyond also doesn't take into account that your players have magic items either. It doesn't. But I, somehow I doubt this guy's... Uh, somehow yeah. I doubt that this guy's players had 50 magic items each to make up for this. Like, you know, depending on their party composition, you could say... Oh, how much did, did they say? I don't think he said how much health this thing had. No, it, see, we're, we're, it gets really, really crazy for me, right? Because, uh, yeah, like, you know... So they're they plus seven to hit like the 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 three attacks around with plus seven yeah like we're saying the three attacks around plus seven one d eight plus three that's not bad that's grand I'd actually consider that pretty balanced and probably a fun encounter for someone like maybe like three of them against a level eight party like three of those guys without the save, I, I, without I, the save effects I applaud the person for not uh, because I feel like <laughs> I feel like you have to you have to give them credit somewhere because they've done everything else wrong. Um, <laughs> You, I, I applaud them for not making those attacks like two or three mm -hmm. d8, which would be tempting if you're because clearly they want this monster to be deadly. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think if you're going with three or more attacks on a creature, consider dropping a damage dice or not going heavy on the damage dice as well. Or if 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 your creature only has two attacks in a round, give them three d8 on the attack. You know, make the attack hit hard, but not a lot of attacks. It balances out. Uh, just just so you know as well, for you guys. Uh, if I put you up against, uh, if I put you up against one Drider, mm. level six, that's a trivial encounter. Two of them easy, three of them hard, four of them is deadly for you guys. Wow, really? Oh yeah, because six four, four twenty four. Yeah. yeah, four Driders is deadly for you guys. I mean, they have like a they've uh, like nineteen armor class and one hundred twenty three health, uh, and they get like two, they get three attacks around as well, so they're quite. They're decent. So that's four of them would be considered deadly. Now, for you guys with all your magic items and stuff, mm. probably you probably do quite okay with that one. But if I threw two more in on top of that, I think that would be a very challenging fight for all of you, particularly because like, like Dan has a broom and flies around the whole time. Yeah. But these guys have bows and attack three times around with those bows. Like, they wouldn't be long picking off his health points oh, from yeah. a distance, you know? Be... So, like... Mm. So like you're level twelve and you have a lot of magic items and you're 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 quite well built tough characters. Um and then if I put you up against six striders, I feel like that would be a, a really challenging encounter. For him to put for I say I say him women can be terrible at D D too. Yeah, right. um, I'm just gonna go to the limb here. Sorry, so that's a bad joke. <laughs> I got halfway through my sentence before joke. I heard yours. <laughs> Yeah. Oh God. Terrible joke. I apologize. No, but what, what all I'm saying is, uh, whoever this person is, they they clearly underestimated the power of what they were putting their party up against. Uh, by the by the sounds of it, they survived the encounter. But I wouldn't be surprised if the DM had to very quickly backtrack and fudge some health points was... or fudge some die rolls to make sure the party didn't get absolutely massacred by uh, this. Yeah, I was going to say I reckon there's probably now, like, because like like what we're saying, like jump with the the attacks and stuff they've done at the start. It's not like crazy bad, and like there are six of them. But depending on party composition, if you've like maybe like if you've like a sorcerer or like a wizard, did they say they have a cleric there? They're level eight, so they have they have access to some pretty hard hitting spells. Depend, yeah. Like, 
like it, it all see it all really depends on how much health each has right because mm. if they don't have that much health and there's six of them there's only so much space six of them can occupy and you can probably take up a lot of that space with a big aoe spell like fireball and you might even take out a couple yeah. of them with fireball were i like aside from the ridiculousness of the two kinds of the two saves you need to make right because i i think what they've done here is they've tried to make a creature that will equally affect martial and magical classes because you get the yeah. hit, you get you tank the hit if you aren't martial you uh if you aren't martial uh you don't have to make the spell save thing actually i think actually no, i think this is the opposite probably actually if you're a martial character you probably have an easier time with this if you were a gish or anything magical you're getting hit twice because not if you're a martial you just get exhaustion and like admittedly exhaustion is terrible and after a certain point you'll have like disadvantage on all your attack roll on, on all your ability checks and everything if you're a spellcaster you're also losing your damage output and like your big turn the fight around spells that see that's that's why it's um it's a death spiral yeah um but because if, if you're if if the thing that is killing you is also making you less effective mm. at winning then you're getting further and further away from potentially turning this around and, and getting a yeah. win out of this fight the thing, um the thing I think exhaustion is something I, I would write off entirely when it comes to no. a fight but like not something that every single monster can do three times i like yeah and, and again there's there's 18 attacks there's a potential for 18 points of exhaustion to be gained across a team which has like six players so potentially three points of exhaustion each and uh, what did it say? What the DC was of it? Uh, oh yeah, for the two, they're both DC fifteen. That's that's pretty high as well. That's for level eight, like... too. Like you know, level eight, you're there's you have a decent enough chance of failing that at level eight, depending on what your stats. Yeah. Are. You know. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. No, it's 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 horribly horribly unbalanced. Yeah. Um, I think where it gets really really unbalanced is when he runs into more when the when the player details start to more of the stats the creature has. AC 18 and resistance to all damage it's invulnerable like that's what a portion See, of invulnerability does it gives you resistance to all damage I I never I never put um, resistance to all damage on any of my monsters because if you're going to put resistance to all damage on, on it just give it twice as much help yeah and then as the, but that's not even the, like I think where it gets like see this is why I think this is a very player versus DM DM because yeah. like the first like the first half down until where you have to make two saves i think is is reasonable like you you want to challenge your players you want to, maybe this guy wants to maybe this guy because it's definitely a dude um maybe this guy wanted to do like meat grinder D D where everybody dies all the time and you come in with like 10 characters prepped or maybe they just yeah. wanted, wanted like a want to do like a really challenging game where it feels like the players are scraping by the skin of their teeth every time but like once you get down to here and it's like it is 18 AC which is better than most monsters in the game uh, resistance to all damage which is stupid and then it is a reaction that causes the first attack against the each round to auto miss and it has misty step at will wait it, it has a it has a I, I missed that part about the reaction it can oh, do yeah. so once once around it because uh, it has one reaction it can just automatically decide that the attack did not hit yeah, so the first the first attack made against it each round as a reaction, it can just make it auto miss. 
So like at, at eighth level, like no, yeah. none of your martial characters, even if you have fighters, are going to be making more than two attacks. So you're automatically halving the action economy for those guys because they're definitely going to miss on their first attack. Yeah, you, you're like you're making yeah like they like a fighter by that level has action surge, so you could burn that to have four attacks in the round, but still. But that's yeah. once though, it was and, like, once. and you, yeah, you don't want to make sure you land those as well, like you know. Yeah. Um, and like so, like better it is better armor than most creatures in the game. It has the best resistance because it's resistance to resistant to every player. Characters don't get that. <laughs> like, yeah, true. The goddamn totem barbarian doesn't get that. <laughs> like the bear totem. Even, even the even the totem barbarian is is not uh, resistant to psychic damage. Yeah. It, it, so like, yeah. Uh, it's 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 too uh it's too much like it's and again, misses them at will at will. So it, like there was in there with the missy step, it it would basically just hover thirty feet in the air, and there's six of them, six. Yeah, I mean, like you're you're talking about take like there's so much there that like so, overlaps in dude, terms of that's, balance. That's six. So let's say like do you know what you're saying about the fighter thing. Like even if you're a fighter, your first you you attack twice around your first attack misses, you only have one attack around. Yeah. I, I just read it there's six of these things that happens six times in a round you're, yeah. you're so six, of, of your entire party six attacks will be will yeah. be negated every turn and that means that entirely that can entirely negate like melee spell attacks as well inflict wounds shocking grasp yeah. um, chill touch vampiric touch all those that you can just go oh not only yeah. does it not hit but that spell slot is gone now and I just nabbed your biggest spell slot too so you're, you're kind of coming at them from both sides then see again the overlap is crazy because like yeah. you're burning a spell slot on a melee hit which will just be negated and you lose the spell slot and then when it hits you on the next turn it takes one of your actually it potentially takes your three highest spell slots on the next turn mm -hmm. because you're rolling every single time to make sure it doesn't so your magic users are going to burn through spell slots like there's no tomorrow your mag your your fighters are either if they're melee fighters they might not be able to get to them because they're all hovering in the air because they're going to miss step and even if they can get to them one of their oh, two only attacks will be negated every single turn the, the only time they can negate that a little bit is by using your action surge which will only happen once yeah. um, and but even, even if, like, if you like paladins rangers monks any anyone a monk could potentially get a couple extra hits in but again it's it's that's terrible terrible yeah. design that's like, awful design you can you can crit this thing and he and the, and he can just go he uses the reaction the attack misses like again there's <laughs> It's like I, it's like a really, I like putting really in, shitty version of legendary resistance. Yeah, I like I like putting in um, like there's a couple things I put on some monsters to make them a little bit you know tougher like that. I like when monsters have good action economy. Mm. Um, like when they have bonus actions they can take when they have actions when they have reactions. Uh, when you guys fought the Knight of the Moon, she had a, a parry reaction which gives her a plus six to her AC. Now, that's because she's high enough level that her proficiency bonus is six, so that's why that's what it negates. Um, but it just does that to a single attack. One attack comes in, and so, and the thing is, like, you could still potentially roll, like, a 19, get a 27 or something like that, and she wouldn't be able to parry that because it's still too high, you know? Yeah. Um, so, it like, this still has to be... I don't know. This just, yeah, this just very very much reminds me of, the, of our early DMing experiences where we were getting stonewalled an awful lot, and there were times when we were in encounters. I remember we went to like this this on this dwarven city of the dead place, um, and we we that's took like a right turn. Ended. That... Oh, did it? Yeah, that that that's where that campaign ended shortly after you left. Yeah. Oh well, okay. Uh, but like we well we went there and then we like. Uh, a right turn down the corridor into a room and it was just full of like these giant insects but they were like 
what it felt like because we were probably about like level five or six it felt like each of them was like maybe a challenge rating five or six mm. um but there was like there was like three or four of them coming at us and they were hitting us hard and then we just kind of backed away and then the the dm kind of came to us and he was like he's like so what do you want to do and like we're gonna leave we don't want to be here this is this place it's obviously not some place we can go and i, I don't know was that his intention like he didn't want us to go in there because he didn't have it planned but which is again would be totally within the mo of this person um but the other thing then was like oh uh we didn't feel like we accomplished anything we went into this place it was too scary we left end of session like and so uh, we, we just didn't feel like we were I, I didn't feel like we were accomplishing stuff for huge swaths of that uh of that uh campaign we played there was times where i was having great fun um and and to, to his credit some of those times were due to how that dm prepped it mm. and the times when he prepped were good there was times there i'm like i was having a genuine great time when we had that uh, three-stage boss fight even though it was a bit ridiculous that was still fun there was a there was a time where like we we divided ourselves up in different parts of the yeah. city because one of us wanted to watch the entrance to town one of us wanted the two of us were staking out a bar two of us went to the docks and then uh he was jumping between them kind of and the tension was building really really well um and eventually like at simultaneously in these three places three big things happened and it was a mad dash for us to all meet up and get out of town uh and i remember thinking that was what that was probably the best session uh because I, I just felt like the pacing worked and uh and like the, the moving between us was was really really good because everyone was getting a little bit of spotlight mm. it was tense i remember you you ran into like the guy who was like your nemesis and the character who was with you had to be like lug don't do anything yeah. we're not equipped to fight him here and then i remember like i was staking out the bar with another guy on a rooftop and we were kind of like some shifty looking people just went in there should we go in after them and then as soon as we did like it turns out that they were a character we met a while back and he just re-emerged and then yes. like so like yeah it, it was it was a really really great session um but again it just it felt like yeah there was there was there was a couple of good sessions in there surrounded by weeks and weeks of uh plot changing mm. and the dm clearly not necessarily knowing where he wants his campaign to go he would like literally like like he's rewriting it on the fly uh martin uh oh sorry but martin yes connor that's all the time we have for today sorry i kind of ran over a little bit no there. that's good Man, i think i think that's i think that's one of our better episodes we've ever done i really really enjoyed that i, I love making monsters man it's mm. it's it, it can be i find it a little bit cumbersome, like time consuming but I always find it to be worth it. Like I, I do it on D&D Beyond. I'll pull a stat block from something similar. I'll start you know, fleshing out the monster, how I want them to be and stuff like that. Give them all these abilities. Make sure they always have bonus actions, actions, reactions. Because the players are going to have a ton of different actions they can do. So definitely give all your monsters bonus actions, actions, reactions, legendary actions, legendary resistances. Because, you know, it balances things out then. Uh, some of the best fights we've had, like you you guys fought uh, the Grand Inquisitor, Lukas de Valkios, uh, recently. He was on my, my custom stat blocks and he was... He has some great stuff he can do. He's some really, really cool. That, he, ca he caught an airship. Yeah, that was insane. He caught an airship like uh, what's it, uh, Force Unleashed yeah. style. He just it's falling out of the sky. Yeah, uh, so cool. And he had the Dragon's Wrath weapon as well. That was so cool. Like, it, which had come out like the week yeah. of. I, I was going to give him like something else and then that came out and, and it's like, there's no way I'm not giving this dude this sword. Yeah, you said you were going to give him a defender, I think you said at the time. I was. I was going to give him a defender instead because he's kind of, he's an Inquisitor, but he's kind of Paladin-esque. Mm -hmm. um, but then I was like, there's no conceivable way that this book comes out this week and I don't put this sword in the adventure somehow. Yeah. Um, it so, did yeah. the job. It scared the absolute shit out of us, I can tell you that. Oh, it hits like a truck. Yeah, it does. 
Alrighty, if you have any questions, comments, topics we'd like to cover or, or tweets you'd like to send to us, you can uh, leave a, a comment below on YouTube. You can hit us up on Twitter at the Mike Flares Twitter account at Mike Flares Pod, which is in the bottom right hand corner of the screen here. Um, and yeah, like I said, if you have if you have any topics you'd like us to cover or even just memes you want to send to us, we always appreciate a good meme. Uh, please do hit us up there. Uh, Connor, where can people find you on the Internet? People can find me on the internet at zero point Connor Z E R O P O I N T C O N O R one N very important. Uh, that's on Twitter. Uh, you can find me every Friday here on the Mike Flares podcast at six PM Irish time on YouTube, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor, Breaker, and Radio Republic. Nicely done. Uh, if you want to try and find me on the internet, you can find me on Twitter at so sorry it's over, and you can also find me on um, most of the time manning the Mike Flares Twitter account, um, which has been mentioned already. Um, do give us a shout if you have anything you want to have a chat about um, we're always up for a bit of crack and yeah mostly you can find me here as Connor said every Friday 6pm Irish time on a new episode of the Mike Flares podcast so we will see you next week folks have a good one bye and folks